All right, welcome to Turned Out of Punk Footnotes Super Show number two. This is the second of weird noises in the background, but this is the second of uh, an ongoing new version of Footnotes where Chris and I are still doing regular footnotes behind the Patreon, you know, system. You'll, you can hear those when you become a member of the Patreon, uh, which hasn't launched yet, but it will be any moment now. Uh, and in its place will be these kind of monthly footnotes super shows where it's going to be myself, Chris, of course. Chris, yes. how you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? In person, no less. Yep. And then uh, kind of, you know, the Daves will come by if they if they so choose, uh, you know, and, and there's lots of other guests that want to come by. And this is not going to be like Turn It Up Punk. It's just going to be general chatting and having fun and, and just kind of shooting the shit about stuff that's going on. And what better way to kind of do the second episode than by having show producer and the person I used to take baths beside, my brother, Hello. Tristan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is the first time uh, an episode with you on the show will ever appear. Second time. I did footnotes. Oh, you did footnotes, footnotes right? I did footnotes. footnotes. Which footnotes did you do again? Uh, was it That's ages, ages ago. Was it I think it was dad? before we met. Was it? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, because we met over the phone. When I was plugged into your set of headphones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to think which one that was. Anyways. Was it, uh, there was the AFI riot thing. I, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we still got to do like a final dissertation about the AFI riot. <laughs> it's been thoroughly covered on the podcast. Yeah. It's been thoroughly covered several times on this podcast, but like, has it ever been too documented? I don't think so. <laughs> not, not for you, no. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Athena about coming on the podcast when I did that live one with Dinosaur Jr. and talking about the AFI riot from the venue perspective. She was <laughs> not interested. <laughs> Athena, owner of the opera house. Uh, assemble security guards to do. <laughs> all their perspectives. They're like, yeah, just bring the security AFI pack. We just want to see them after all these years. <laughs> Uh, but no, this is awesome to have you on this this thing. Thank you. Once again, there are two unreleased Tristan episodes of Turn It Up Punk that Tristan won't let me put out. Two different versions of a full Turn It Up Punk episode with them that yeah. are locked away. Yeah, yeah. I, I need like four mulligans before we do the final. <laughs> What's a mulligan? Oh, it's a two golfing. overs. Oh, it's yeah, a two over. over. Okay. Two over. Yeah. There's a there. There's also in the archives Turn It Up Punk episode zero. That's the other one that we still haven't put out there. What is zero? Are you allowed to mention it? It's me doing a terrible interview with Dave Grohl that uh, never aired. You said you were going to do that for 200. It was supposed to come out for 200, yeah. but management wanted to approve it, and then I just never bothered sending it to get approval. So you put it out illegally. Ah, they was on the Patreon wall. I don't know if it shows up on the Patreon wall. Uh, no, believe me, there's nothing terrible in there. It's a terrible interview from my perspective, because, like, Every time he starts talking about something, I cut him off and make him talk about something completely different. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, but what about this thing now? What about this thing now? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I'll put that out eventually. Well, yeah. We're all looking forward to it. Yeah, but I haven't heard it. Chris isn't. No, no, I haven't heard it. No, so only people that have heard it are Dave Grohl, Sandy, Sandy, <laughs> myself, and the person at Much Music that said, "No, there's no way we'd want to buy this." <laughs> <laughs> the only people that ever heard that interview, but uh, I went back and listened to it, and that's when I decided that it was Turn Out of Punk Issue Zero because it honestly sounds like 
a turn at a punk episode in its very demo stage. You're running hot. I'm running very hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running, running very, very hot with Mr. Dave Grohl, but a lot of punk. You know, like why I thought anyone else but the people that would wind up listening to this podcast would care about it would be beyond me. You know, like asking about kids for cash. <laughs> like, <laughs> so let's talk about Town Hardcore Seven for a little bit. Yeah, did he? Oh yeah, nice. Oh yeah, he t- he played in the band. There, see, that's the thing. There were scoops on that interview, like real scoops. Like, who knew that Dave Grohl played one show for Kids for Cash? I didn't. Nope. Damn, <laughs> Until yeah. just now. There you no, go. Damn, that was got a scoop. That was the first time everyone. Except for me, some people on that show had ever heard about it, and maybe no one ever cared about it until then either. <laughs> Uh, but this is uh, this is this show's a lot looser, a lot more informal. We talk about kind of comings and goings, mailbag stuff, which I think we'll skip tonight because it's different when we're not like when you're sitting facing each other, you can't really rely on the resource. And well, and I didn't have that prep. To be fair, I'll take I'll take the heat on that one. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm in well, transit. What are you not, you're not sitting yeah. in front of a computer and yeah. access the emails yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, well, we do have the computer besides, but we might need it for the resource later on. Yeah, I have. I don't. Yeah, either way, I'll take. I'll take the hit on that. Sorry, folks. <laughs> no, no, but don't worry. But this gives us a chance to do something that you know. Uh, I think you and I will probably wind up doing at some point, but haven't yet. But which is a final public kind of footnote, which is the episode two hundred footnote, because Tristan's the only person that can handle it. We can also because he you know grew up with me. He, do you think you could have done a better job than Jonah? Uh, no. No, I, I love Jonah. I, I, those are some of my favorites. I love Jonah. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know it doesn't mean you, you hate him, but like you think you could have like. I do have notes. I do have stuff that you intentionally skipped. Oh. Or, uh, you know, it's not like Jonah didn't probe. It's like, you know, yeah, we'll get cut from this episode too. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the that's why this show will never have like a. A true producer in the sense of editing it because I like to control that side of things. <laughs> um, no, but there's also, you know, the other thing we're going to tackle on this th- show is news. And the news we got to talk about this week is this clip that uh, we just all got to watch. But it's for that new uh, EPIX, is the name of the network? I'm not familiar with it. Um, yeah, me neither. <laughs> It's a big network. It must be because it looks like they spent some money on this thing, but it's their punk series, a history of punk series produced by Iggy Pop and John Barbados, apparently. And John Barbados, <laughs> you know, legendary punk. John Barbados did do. Um, I'm trying to think what the. I went to his record store one time. This is the old CBGBs. We played a concert across the street for 12 hours, and so I decided to walk over the old CBs and check it out. And there were some. He was around for the 12 hour show? His CBs was. Oh. The John Vervado CBs. Yeah. Not the CBs. No. We, we yeah, played yeah, the CBs, yeah. CB CBs a couple of years earlier. Yeah. 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 Anyhow, uh, so yeah, what. Uh, well, I guess the series is four parts that's going to cover the entire breadth of punk. Mm. <laughs> well, judging by the clips, I think they're going to do a really good job. I think they're going to cover every nook and cranny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. definitely well marketed. It's, it's always all, people are talking about it. The thing that always pisses me off about these shows is just it's always so like that same fucking England, America, 
centric. Like there's just no reference to the fact that this was like a global thing and it's going in Australia at the exact same time. And then when they take it forward, it's always like grunge. Riot Girl now gets thrown in a few a little bit, but that's it. And maybe they'll talk about Green Day. They'll talk about Green Day probably too. But like, you yeah, know, there's dude. no acknowledgement that this is, you know, which is I guess what this podcast is trying to do, but this is like a much more important. Well, to start, I get the point you're making. The only thing I would say is we haven't seen it in its entirety. No, we have not. So perhaps we will Could be Could we just unfairly judge? Yes, that's true. <laughs> I will wager, though, yeah. there is no mention of Zakevi. Yeah? I doubt, yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think... I think, you're, I think you're, your judgment, your preemptive judgment is probably spot on. But if, if someone's listening right now and there's a whole section about the Rude Kids... Write me and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Say, Damien, you are an yeah. idiot. They actually, they did an incredible job with their section about the electric dead. I, just... I think where this documentary for me is going to fail, which already from the clips to me seems to be, is the idea that they're going to cover the quote-unquote history of punk. I think that's the wrong way to go about it because the clips, as we witnessed... Or just a panel that's a mess. No, that's that's that was the release party for oh, the dog. I'm like, if that's the documentary, <laughs> that would be amazing. This looks super cheap. Oh. Yeah, I was just like this. I thought it was like literally like a panel. This is like oh four parts and then panel everything and we're gonna cover them. No, whole. no, the panel is oh, where the news word. story came out of. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which is the news story, which yeah. we should talk about is yeah. um, kind of like the ultimate uh, showdown, but we got to finally see. Ramones versus Sex Pistols on who is the most legitimate <laughs> punk representing Marky on behalf of the Ramones representing on behalf of the Sex Pistols one John Lydon Johnny Rotten yeah and, and not the best shape and that's not to fat shame because I know that's going around about him too I mean like in level of apparent sobriety he yeah does not he, he does shape. not seem to me to be sober perhaps I'm wrong yeah, we could be wrong, and if he it could be just super jet lagged, it could be yeah. really oh, jet lagged. <laughs> I say this just as, like I mentioned to you, gentlemen, it was he's always been a really eloquent speaker to me in at different, especially post Sex Pistols in particular, not so much the last say two three years or five years maybe, but like you think of Pill era, you don't think of a like a lout that has can't seem to string a coherent thought together, yeah, and just rattles on the same like few phrases over and over and over like he's a very coherent you know speaker typically Mm -hmm. so it's a little weird like that clip again though Tristan I'm with you a little bit too you had mentioned that you thought perhaps this was like a you know to generate the buzz this has been the the, you know what they've leaned on I think that might be it's created a lot of buzz yeah it's it's got people talking about the show who normally wouldn't be interested in stuff like that I yeah, like, I don't know if it's positive buzz. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that, like, but I don't know if that Neither matters. one of those guys came off positively well. Season, like, yeah. No, but does that, uh, does it matter anymore? That's yeah. the reality. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't like, matter. Did it get enough views or clicks, or whatever? People talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, this, the other thing is what the documentary, I think, ultimately is trying to achieve. So if we're thinking of it in terms of, okay, by our standards, I, I assume, again, I will watch it, but... Do I think it's going to cover it anything as coherently as I would like or as, as in-depth as I would like? I'm going to guess no. So if it's not even going to do that, then what, what is this nonsense to preempt it? Like, I wonder I mean, if like, it's going to cover it even as coherently and as in-depthly as 
the time life. I knew you were gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> episode. Yeah, that's the greatest. That's the goat. That's the goat. It's the fucking goat. The time life one. It was. It was the beginning for me. But I, you know, when we got that box set in the punk episode, it was certainly like. I've never seen it. For oh, full, the, full disclosure. Let's see if that's on YouTube. <laughs> we don't. I'll I'll check it out if you can find it. I will check it out on my own. It time. probably doesn't hold up. No, <laughs> I guarantee you it holds up. Like I can picture. I wanted. I took it out from the library on DVD. Actually, I took really? the kids to the library a couple of years ago, and I was like, just flipping through the DVD section. I'm like, holy shit. I'm trying to think. Was anybody in it that isn't necessarily in a lot of other? Punk documentaries, punk history. Um, that? No, well, that's yeah, the thing. That like, was like, oh, the, the the one. There's the Time Life one, and then there's the other one that came at the same time, and that had Jonathan Richmond, and it's an awesome segment with Jonathan Richmond. Wow. I don't think there will be any modern lovers in this documentary. I'm wondering this new one. <clears throat> I really don't. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I if really there's no don't. modern lovers, then it puts it a step behind. No, I really don't. Like, I'm not kidding. I, I just you saying that now. I'm like, I bet you that won't be in it. And that's a pretty obvious one to me, to kind of throw in, especially from like the Sex Pistols Association too. You think that? I, I mean, maybe they're more interesting. Maybe they're back on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> we're at Tristan's office right now, by the way. Anyhow, we're kind of we're kind of trashing this, and uh, I don't know. Uh, it, we, we haven't I, seen. We haven't seen. We it. haven't seen. It, it could be fine. We're gonna do. We should do like a watch along, where you <laughs> where we do like Mr. audio Science commentary for stuff? It. Yeah. yeah. Is it yeah, back? So, I gotta find out. This is on YouTube. We might just pause this podcast and have to sit here for forty-five minutes and watch this documentary from start to finish. Uh, we won't because I have to go to sleep at some point. So yeah, everyone's got to be at work first thing tomorrow yeah. morning. It's a rave, guys. We're staying up all night. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna do drugs. Yeah, I've had three pastries, so I'm ready to go. So the documentary aside, so I think we're all a little skeptical about what it's gonna end up like. I think that's a fair in unison <coughs> feeling. Yes. Yeah. Definitely, but I think we should get that panel. That's the real. We're bearing the lead because, as you know, yeah. you thought it was the documentary, but that panel was something to behold, which featured Danita Sparks, Henry Rollins. Who else was on there? John Lydon. John Lydon. Marky Ramon. Marky Ramon, obviously. Ramon, obviously. Uh, Henry, Henry Rollins. We got yeah, Henry Rollins. Uh, There's one more we're missing there, though. Oh, John, uh, what's his name? The designer guy. I think I I think that's him. I'm not positive. No, it isn't him. I read it. I read it. The John Verveos seems to be on the panel. Yeah. Iggy isn't. No. I thought there's one other person in there, though, that we're missing. No, right. Oh, that might my. Be it. That might be it. God. History of rock and roll. I think it was part nine was the punk episode. He's found it on YouTube for the listeners. I have found it on YouTube. <laughs> it looks, seems to be. I think it is. Look, and they got a thing about stiff on there. This thing's gonna have to top this. <laughs> Can you broadcast this? Oh yeah, well, I'm on like yeah. No one's hearing stream. this for real. It's live stream. You're gonna have to cut the. Uh... Uh, no one's like on. Like someone's gonna be like, yeah, like they they played gotta be rock and roll music, but they were talking <laughs> over it. But it was definitely the same thing. It's rip. It's for review purposes. We're not gonna play the whole episode. Okay. I just wanted to see, like, this thing kills it. This thing is just so... Nothing. Yeah. 
Well, we have energy. Yeah, we wanted yeah. to go somewhere. We wanted to do something. Strummer, okay. No so we'll watch this. It's on here. It's got Stooges. It's got some great Stooges. So just just to be fair, this is 12 minutes and 37 seconds long. Is that the full thing? No, no, no. no. There's no, like no. five parts of okay. this thing. So I was going to say, if you're telling me a 12 minute and 37 second documentary yeah. is going to be better than like a four No, the Joe Strummer part was good too. It was good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Okay. I can't wait to watch this thing again. It's on uh, YouTube for the folks. Check it. Something about that website, you know, like yesterday I was just sitting there looking up just random bands with the word live beside them. Like, <laughs> The Mad, live. Or The Law, live. You know, yeah. sometimes I have to put, you know, The Law, live, punk. Yeah. To get what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. To qualify it. There's yeah. just like one killer video for every fucking band you could think of. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, someone's posted something live. Well, there's the shittiest footage ever. Yeah. You no longer have to send someone, you know, $15 in a blank VHS tape. <laughs> you read that. The weird tape trader dude, <laughs> i.e. my Kalachuk, is now just <laughs> YouTube. Although a lot of that stuff, like there was a lot of tape trading stuff I remember seeing, like especially hardcore centric stuff circa whatever, mid to late 90s or early 2000s. And a lot of that hasn't hit the YouTube. Not all of it. A lot of the good stuff, though, has. Like the Rage Against or the Inside Out reunion has the uh, No Justice stuff. Yeah, because like one of the editors of Noisy posted the last No Justice show oh, footage. Shocked, and That's he posted what it up. Dave like, gets the thing. Yeah, and he shows, and he show, but it's from the angle where you don't see that oh. Dave gets the symbol in the face. Dan Ozzy posted this thing, and I'm like, yo, I think he drops a hard f bomb in that footage too. I don't know. It was I, definitely a different time. It's been a long while, but point being, I still feel like there's a ton that's not up there that you would expect to have been. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a ton of stuff that's, like, not up there that, you know. There's some stuff that, you know, probably will never make it up there. Oh, no, the for sure. the trading yeah. circuit stuff. Yeah. You know, weird-ass tapes of, <laughs> of, of great weird... T- hey, I I've, got, I've got pink eye footage. I, I'm one oh, of... Boy. I might be one of... That might be one of one. You probably are one Legit. of one. I have this great. I'm gonna start a YouTube account. I have this Raw Power Ooh. video that one of the dudes from Raw Power sent to Glenn Salter, hopefully future guest Glenn Salter, uh, and on the footage it's like them practicing at a practice, and then it cuts them playing like in a soccer stadium. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome footage. There's also like uh, New York City Mayhem footage too on that. Nice. Uh, from back then, Glenn Good Salter tape. probably has an insane tape collection. Oh yeah, he's got an amazing video collection. Like Can't the, imagine. the band footage stuff is just. I think you need ridiculous. to qualify who this is for our list. <laughs> oh, Glenn, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Glenn Salter of MSI fame. Uh, what was his label call that he did too with Simon? Simon did Ugly Pop, D- and he had his discussion or whatever. No, that was the... no, no. He did some like they did the Dream Date single. They did. Um, I thought that was just on Ugly Pop. No. Yeah. It was Ugly Pop, but then he had some other sub label. Maybe they didn't do that. Maybe they just did the band that was on you the Mississauga Live compilation. I'm going to try and I'm try and find it. The Static. The Static single. Remember that Static single? I don't remember what labels nope. these are on, but okay. He's they were all on he also worked Pop. at Full Blast Records. He also worked yeah, at Full yeah, Blast yeah. Records. Yes. Did a bunch of incredible zines, like some of the best yeah. zines ever. Ever out of the city. Still does. He's still putting out zines yep. every once in a while. Yep. So... Uh, but yeah, he had probably some ridiculous tape collection. But back to ripoff. No, 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 not ripoff records. 
It's a pretty big label. Came from the Tony Molina episode. <laughs> All right. Resource is failing right now. Next time. It's it's different when you do it live. You know, you can't really do the resource. We Tris and I figured this out on the live tour. Yeah, it is. It's, it is weird. I don't honestly resource. Major criticism: your mobile app is crap. Yeah, the mobile app is really not honestly, great on it. Crap. And uh, you don't sponsor our show, which you should, because nobody gives you more love. And uh, I'll give you that criticism. If you sponsored our show, I would have kept that to myself, but you don't. So like, I, I honestly could do away with 90% of my internet usage <laughs> and I'd be fine as long as I still could use the resource. Because <laughs> like, that to me is like, it's almost like a porno site as well as it is. <laughs> you know? Well, as Tristan and I were witnessed, you came in here hot, just like rocking clip after clip, not porn, but uh, <laughs> something arguably morally a lot worse. Which was like, you know, ICP videos and... Uh, <laughs> I showed one ICP video. How, like long How long was it though? How long was it? It's a long video. It's like 17 minutes or something. <laughs> so yes. many times. I believe, I believe that your, your usage of <laughs> time on the internet is, is uh, questionable. I've watched that one a couple times. You know. Well, actually, I've only watched it one other time, but... It's uh, you know. What else are you gonna do when you found the time life videos? <laughs> you gotta watch. Yeah, them. exactly. I'm really gonna watch those though. Honestly, I am. I'm gonna. It's that. that episode in particular is worth watching, but I don't remember the ones after being that good. The next the one was one the one with Green Day. Good. Yeah, and then they did a hip hop one. Was it before? I think that's the next one. Is hip hop and the Green Day's in it too? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. Okay, and then it ends with. It's been a while. There was one part in that pissed me off so much where Pete Townsend's talking about Nirvana. He's like, I think it's Pete Townsend. He's like, America, you finally got your punk. It's like, <laughs> Motherfucker, what? <laughs> where did it come from, son? Does Dr. Feel Good? Things Dr. Feel Good? <laughs> got a little heated on that part. I remember being a kid even thinking that was ridiculous. Really? That you saw Pete Townsend and you were like, you don't know. Well, it's like, it's like, how can you, I didn't even know about the electric eels. But, like, they had already established that punk You're talking start. about Pete Townsend, what, in the 90s was interviewed? Yeah, yeah. And as if he's saying, like, Nirvana was the first. Yeah, American America punk. finally, like, punk didn't really hit, didn't make sense in America until Nirvana. Well, obviously that's incorrect, <laughs> that's but <laughs> would, you ex- <laughs> would you expect that from any, like, am I shocked to hear that? No. Well, it's because it's the first, like, I doubt Pete Townsend really... I don't, I don't know. Maybe that would Pete be like, Townsend was a Closet Ramones fan, yeah. but I doubt it. I, I bet you he knew him, knew of them. Definitely heard the name. But it would yeah. be like you telling me, like, wow, Keith Richards has this really bad take on, like, he's terrible electronic taste. music. I'd be like, yeah, that I sounds I guarantee right. he's got a terrible taste on take on rap music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't – I'm not shocked to hear the – the whatever, the out-of-touchness of certain – Yeah, but I mean, like, to, but like to get it kind of, like, half right, like – That'd be you interesting. Know, Maybe that's the new theme in podcasts is when people, authorities on certain subjects, and then you get Pete Townsend making a podcast about rap music. People <laughs> that have no idea what they're talking about talking about. I hope that happens. Music. That'd be incredible. <laughs> Please make that happen. I don't even want it about old rap. I want it strictly about like grime and like like UK. <laughs> there are certain podcasts when they have musical guests on, it's already like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like once in a while, it's like, how do you not know this? 
This is like entry level. <laughs> you never know. Okay, so documentary point. What was your other? You had another one to go. Well, on. I was trying to think like what are the, the definitive punk documentaries? We did this early on, but like, is there one you think? But and it, it can't be like. Is it actually no? This is actually a good point. Is there any one that is a good representation or a fair representation of its scene and of its time? You know, because everything feels like it, it's you're going to bound to miss something, and by omission you kind of fail your subject, you know? Yeah, because it's usually being confined to one or two episodes of a series as opposed to, like, a, you know... Or it's confined to, like, documentary. a few bands, right? Decline of Western Civilization, like, amazing. Like, a, an essential document. Like, without that, you know, would L.A. be as revered, you know? And, or, like, not maybe as revered, but, like, looked at in the same way. But yet, by the bands that made that documentary and the bands that didn't make that documentary, it kind of, like, forever set a, a canon of what L.A. punk was. But it, that was almost like a snapshot in time rather than, like, a recollection of what brought this about. You know, it was like, this is a snapshot of what's going on in the city at the time. But even yeah. that snapshot misses, right? Like, you're bound to miss. You're not going to get everyone. I don't remember the offhand because I haven't watched it in a while, but the mask isn't in that, right? It's post-mask. It's like the mask had closed. But I couldn't so remember if they did have any stage. footage. I think they have footage. No, maybe not. It's, most I of the band stuff is still on the soundstage or the whiskey, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think like her... Was it Penelope Spears? Whoever yeah. did it? Her whole... Uh, whatever. When you hear her speak about her, her motivations for it, it's more like Tristan was saying. I don't think she was trying to... like. Have the be all and end. No, no. She was trying to. It was like it was almost like, you know, just whatever. Yeah, a snapshot of okay, here's what's going on this time with these specific subjects. But like, even when you, like, she didn't set out to do it, right? Like this punk yeah. documentary, this four part series is saying that they're going to dig deeper than anyone's ever dug before on punk, right? I hope they do, but and I don't know, man. You know, and I don't think I think she was doing something different, right? Like, oh, she's just aiming to take a snapshot of what she was seeing at the time, or like, you know. But by by just you know editing, even by people that get cut out of the story, just in the process, you have to make a somewhat consumable piece of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you end up cutting people out of the history. I like in this only. I remember when Liz Worth did her book, "Treat Me Like Dirt," yeah, yeah. and a fucking incredible book. Yeah. Once again, another essential kind of tome about an underdocumented scene in Toronto. How many people were upset that just like she missed certain things, and it's like, oh yeah, you can never truly document, you know. Yeah, know. that is. I think that's correct. Like, yeah, Everything. that idea is always going to exist. Yeah, I, that's why I'm skeptical because I just don't one four parts unless each episode is two hours long. I don't see how you can, anyway, cover what you need to cover. Well, yeah, because it's like, do you just focus on bands that move the needle a little bit? Or do you focus on, you know, the whole scene in, in you could do countries, you know? Like, you could do a documentary, and it has been done. Like, Chicago has one. L.A. has one, technically, via various things. You could have, uh, you know what I mean? But there's diff- different, like, regions have essentially a document. Those total more... And those yeah. aren't, you know, I just, it's not, they're setting out to do something that's, that's a, a fool's errand in a way. Because like you're saying, there's no, at least that we're, well, I shouldn't say there's no international because John Lydon's obviously on the panel. But I, I struggle to think there's going to be much Scandinavian content yeah. Yeah. or much South American content. Mm-hmm. 
or Japanese content. Like, and I, just, I think without that stuff, you kind of miss the essential, you know, what made punk special thing. Otherwise, it's just like a genre of music played by art school kids and like street toughs. You know, when it when you take into the fact that it was something that was global and like this global energy that just yeah. exists to this day and still like. There's people coming up on this podcast, like, fucking meme artists, like, emo trap rappers, like, there's just, like, stuff coming up on this podcast to show you that punk has gone very far, you know, and still continues to kind of, this energy is something special, and I just think these shows, when they don't talk about the international side of it, they, they miss a huge chunk of it. Yeah, but I, I think, I agree, I think the only thing I would say is, like, I won't be bummed if they don't cover Pussy Riot in this documentary. You know, to, yeah, to be yeah. a dick about it. But I do think, like, there's enough precedent to suggest that, yes, you should have a pretty sound part, at least part, that is on Japan. Yeah. And or Australia. And or, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different... And they might. Four parts, yeah. maybe. But I just... I don't know. Uh, we On our last tour, we were, when Fucked Up was in Germany, I uh, talked to the promoter who did our show, super cool guy... And uh, he was telling me he grew up in Berlin and that there was this whole other punk scene in East Berlin. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Like the guy, the band Rammstein was a punk band in East Berlin prior to the wall coming down. You're and talking like that at the whatever they Duhast. were. Yeah, yeah. Duhast. But wasn't that, uh, they were like Mussolini head kick before that, I think, weren't they? Like an industrial, like wax tracks band. But even before... Before I think, that, okay. Yeah, like before that, they were like like a legit like punk band in, in East Germany. Like that's what... It's such a global thing that there's, you know, you couldn't possibly cover everything. Like you'd have to almost find like a through line that would allow you to pinball around the world and to kind of pick up the story in different places. Mm. It's like almost like you need like um like a Forrest Gumpian or Garp, you know, like like some character that keeps like popping up in all these disparate scenes that are <laughs> not connected. If I hope that's the way they do it. If there's only one person that did that, if we could only think of one Robbie Brookside. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Gotta come back Dude, look at this. Okay, we start off the movie. He goes and sees The Clash. You interview The Clash. It's Robbie Brookside's journey through punk. Right? The movie starts off. It's him. He goes and sees The Clash. He's interviewing Paul Simonon. He's talking to The Clash about it, like talking about that show. Mm-hmm. Coxbar. Like, you know, like he, he Cockney Rejects. Like all these bands he saw. Yeah. He's interviewing them, right? So it's his journey. But then Robbie Brookside, he's traveling, right? Bad Brains come over to England. So he's interviewing the Bad Brains about their place. the train. Yeah. Right? He goes, he goes on. He goes... He goes away. He goes to Denmark. The Electric Deads are all of a sudden in the fucking movie. He's in Japan. Discloses is now in this movie. Like, his journey through punk is the history of punk. That's why he is the king of punk. Yeah. Your documentary is going to be very different than the Iggy Pop one. <laughs> way better. I'm also very for your documentary if it includes zero wrestling. <laughs> zero. It would be like, it would be Robbie Brookside. Like, maybe we wouldn't even have to talk about the wrestling. Like I know. It's better if we don't. Anti scene is in the book. In the Robbie Brookside version of the story, anti scene's there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Against me's there because he said he went to the Against Me show. He didn't. He didn't like it. He said, but like you know, he went to an Against Me show, so you could bring them into the present day too. You know, I'm not. Yes, tear it up there. Yes, he of loves course. Tear it up. Of course, someone who's internationally traveled <laughs> extensively and been a huge punk enthusiast would be an like a great subject. Yeah, he would be, but he would be like the thing that we need to motivate and propel us from place to place. I think, I'm assuming he has an agent, but if he doesn't, I think you should apply. 
<laughs> I'm not sure if any human being loves him more than you do. This True. is the pitch. It is. I recently uh, was I called MVP, and I'm like, yeah, I sold. I had, I had, we're, we're talking about this project thing, and he's like, he's like, I know what you did. I bet you sold me pretty good to these people, and I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, you know, I've told the MVP story probably more times than MVPs had to tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Brooks and MVP will be my first two clients. It does make me very happy to think, though, that perhaps, like, obviously MVP, I'm assuming, has been told this by people or whatever. But Robbie Brooks is like the deeper one where, like, he's going to... I have seen evidence of, of on social media of one deep head punk punishing him post your interview. Mm -hmm. which is by none other than Beach Impediments Mark Schubert who definitely like hung with him or whatever yeah did like when he was in I guess Richmond or wherever so I like that that warms my heart to think that like there will be those those people go up to him and they're like yo Oh, it happens. What do you think about this kill by death right? And he'll be like, no. <laughs> oh, it happens. It happens with the And then, then also that any other person surrounding him is just like completely dumbfounded and has no idea what the hell these people are bothering him about. Yeah. Like the other like really like normal wrestler people like just are just like what? Like what you know? Well you're saying like there's like there's no possible way another wrestler could be in a punk and we've established on this podcast, Chris, <laughs> that it is the most punk adjacent physical activity. You find that information. And you yeah, have yeah. probably like a one in ten shot of finding another punk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one in ten. Not as down. Might be. No. I think it's one in ten. No. Honestly, I think it's one no. in ten. hundred It's honestly no. one in ten. If, if we... I do not like your math on this. <laughs> uh, <it's... laughs> How did you do in math? I'm not sure you... One in ten. One in ten. Let's go through a wrestling card right now, and I bet yeah. you I can find one in ten punk rockers on the card. I don't think Chris and I can name... <laughs> just, like, listen, listen, just because you guys are posers doesn't mean that, like... Hey... Hey, I'm not. I gave respect. King Kong Bundy died. I gave props. I got, I got some, I got some text messages from uh, some Turnetta Punk alumni when King Kong Bundy died. Did you King really? Kong, yeah, yeah. King Kong Bundy, I think, is like, and it's funny because I listened. Time or wrestling, anyway. No, but I was listening. No, but it's amazing. Like the he impact. He does it every time. Go but no, it's amazing the impact that time period had. Right, yeah. like. It's called he, the best era of wrestling. No, but he was only around for <laughs> two years, three years. Doesn't matter. He only main evented one WrestleMania. Yeah. But and he was on what Married with Children that one time. Yeah, and Hulk Hogan slammed him. But and you remember that forever. We yeah. all remember that forever. I right? mean, part of it's our formative age, but genuinely, that's the best era. Of I wrestling. think that has a lot to do with it, though. Too. But I think it's that. But I think it's also, I think it's that. Yeah, like I think it's also the character too, King Kong Bundy, the character. Yeah. When you're when you're like when I was a, more or less a child, I would say watching that, this is a gigantic, like physically gigantic, mm -hmm. not in the muscular way you're used to with some of the athletes, and you're just like, this is remarkable. Yeah. Let alone like the five count. Like anyway, it's just to me there's so much, and that's one wrestler. Yeah. We're not talking about Andre. We're not talking about you know like Ultimate Warrior. We're not like there's so many, and I realize you love it still now, and I'm sure there are these standouts that I don't know who they are but I just think there's no question for me that's the best I think it's got a lot to do with well, formative no. yeah your formative just, years too because we were talking about bands that you know you come up with in your formative years that you know in your mid 30s you're going back and you're listening to the same stuff over and over again but here's the difference like you guys are right now talking about like yo music was the best <laughs> when it was the Eagles no ELO that's what you guys are saying like I'm good with ELO stadium the rock ELO. bands I'm like, yo, I'm right now listening to the Black Flag of wrestling. I'm here right now. The Screamers of wrestling is going on, you know. And guess what? 
they fucking like the screamers too. It's it's an no, amazing period. No one besides Robbie Brookside in wrestling likes the screamers. I guarantee you. I, I guarantee you. That's, I guarantee you. That's Zack Saber Jr. I'm throwing down the gauntlet on this. Zack Saber Jr. 100 percent knows who the screamers are. None of them own that bootleg record. Zach's besides uh, Robbie Brookside. Yeah, no, no one owns that bootleg record besides Robbie Brookside. But like, I'm gonna say that he definitely. I bet knows. you he showed them the logo. They wouldn't know what it was. Oh, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, Zack Saber Jr. knows. Okay, I don't know who that is, but I'll Zach Saber Jr. Um, I'd love to see his record collection. Robbie Brooks said. Oh, I'd love to see it. Deadly, yeah. I fantasize about that record collection. The stories with the tapes that he yeah, was talking about. Yeah, that's more. You know, in general, you like we've established he is the ultimate punk. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's just I don't know about your whole other. There's like one person from Liverpool who's like, oh yeah, you put him over too much, blah blah. blah. But then I talked to another person from Liverpool who's from run back then who's a cynical fuck. And that dude was like, no, he's he's 100% legit. He was like, punk as fuck. Like, he's the punk as punk. <laughs> and so, I know. I'm going with my friend on this one. We're not going to argue. No, no, I don't think we should. <laughs> no. All right, Tristan. Well, the real reason we brought you down to this show today is because... You're at my office. He brought us yeah. here. Yeah, well, yeah, well you know... <laughs> This could be anywhere. This office could be anywhere. We could be doing this as Chris's car. We don't need you. Mm. <laughs> but no, I didn't really get invited to the backseat of Chris's car. So. That's, that would have been actually quite episode. funny. It was, yeah. We all sit in the car. Yeah, James Corden style. Have we ever recorded with more than just you and me in the car? No, on that tour, did we not do no. it? No. Chris has to drive us around. We've done it. Lessons. You and I have done three or four in a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> two, I think at least one, two not driving, one I was driving. Yeah. Maybe two I was driving. Two you're driving. I think, I think we did it between... One was on the, way, the way back home, from the tour. Yeah, and then and one During, between. like, Baltimore yeah. to somewhere. One was in a parking lot outside the, yeah. the water slide resort. Yeah, yeah we go yeah. to the water park yeah. hotel with the kids. Yeah. We always, two. Two. Twice. <laughs> we did that twice. Yeah. <laughs> Highlight of my life. Chris, Chris hates that place so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> he only ever sees the parking lot. Oh no, no you went to the room. Yeah, I don't I don't want to hate that place. It just doesn't I don't have anything to do with it and I live there, so it's like this I don't know. I I'm trying to think of a relative equivalent to say to you guys in the city here what would equally be you know, but it, there's nothing. Seeing really Tower? There. Yeah, but that even that's kinda cool. Because if you were like, yo, we're recording at the on the top, that'd be kinda cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah but you say we're recording at the top of the Seeing Tower. We're recording but, in the conference know, room. But, but if it was it was it was actually going with the true comparison, we'd be like, hey, we're recording the parking lot beside the Seeing Tower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on down, we're gonna record. Not even though, it'd be like, I don't know, beside Ripley's or like you know whatever. That place is fucking awesome, Ripley's. I know it is, but it just you know whatever. It's Something like you take for granted. Water slides. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you a friend pass. You can get a friend pass with them. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, water slides with them. I am very good. Um, now the reason we brought you down here to the Turned Out of Punk <laughs> Studio of the Mind yeah. is because uh, you wanted to give footnotes for the Damien episode. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. I want to hear it. We're, yeah, we're, we're doing it? Yeah, yeah we're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. Let me bring up... Well, I just, I just have... I like how it sounds like we're actually recording this in a car because of all the traffic noise yeah, outside. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you, got a, you hired a Foley artist to make sure people still thought we were recording in a car. No, this is like... This is post... To make it authentic, yeah. like we're in the city. We're in the city. We're really like in like in a Los Angeles sound studio. It's one of those murder podcasts now. <laughs> yeah, we just finished our true crime podcast, which is our real 
And then he killed his whole family. We're going to be coming to your town next week. <laughs> Buy some shirts. Mm. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's basically when I was listening to your, uh, the thing that Jonah did, the two under the... Uh, I just made some quick notes about things that I thought you didn't talk about. So the oh. first one was the punk store in London. So when we... Oh, yeah. When we... When our dad first moved to London, um, and the first trip I went, it was your second trip out there, but he lived near Portobello Road, and there was a little punk store on Portobello Road that, sh- I don't even know what they sold. They sold, like, T-shirts, punk ephemera. patches, belt buckles, yeah, and, like, punk bracelets. We were obsessed with the punk bracelets, <laughs> like, multicolored <laughs> leather Straps it was the ultimate like, like tourist punk store. Yeah, it was like, definitely like a touristy punk store, and we would hang out there. Like I, that's the thing I realize now: we were fucking punishers. Oh, yeah. God, God help you if you had a comic book store or a record <laughs> store within spitting distance of our house, because we were gonna probably hang out there for at least four <laughs> hours. Do you remember that comic book store on the Danforth that we just go in? Yeah. Just sit there for like hours, like six hours, just like hanging out the comics. They never seemed to mind though. No, never never seemed to care too much. No, it was never weird. Like even though you're like a kid hanging out with like a grown ass adult. Uh Uh, But I think that if you have like I've seen that play out. Like we've all been in those situations. Like if not, Uh not working somewhere, but you're like. I find like when you see like you know young young person in that scenario, you're always like, yeah, you know, like, you you kind of get where they're at, so you give that leeway of like, yeah, okay, you know, maybe you should leave me alone, but at the same time, like, <laughs> okay, out. you know, maybe you'd be, you don't know, doing something way worse than this. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're gonna spend it. money here. Well, so what was the? You had been there too to this punk store. Yeah, yeah. It was it was literally like about three or four blocks away. From so this was your. Thing. This was your favorite place, you two? When no, you it was just, no, it was it was my, I think, Damien's first exposure to it. Would you, like, walk up and buy a lot? No, I, like, I've been exposed to it earlier, like... So what what age are you? Uh, like I would have been eight. And I would have been, like, ten. Wow, okay, so young. I was thinking this was, like, you and your But teens. we would have been exposed to it before that, because Dad would have had the punk records in the house. Well, that's the thing. For me, because I, I was younger... Yeah. I, I remember, like, you brought up the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Wax Museum. The Wax Museum. And the scary uh, Sex Pistols display. (laughs) My dream is also if I became, like, a billionaire to open, like, the punk version of that and have, like, (laughs) wax figures. It was so cool. In retrospect, it was so cool. Like, have an AFI riot. (laughs) Like, (laughs) wax sculpture exhibit. Yeah. Oh. It turned out upon Wax Museum. Anyway. It was fucking weird because at the end it would be like this animatronic rock show. And I can, like, it's still the Phil Collins one haunts my dream because it's like an animatronic Phil Collins sitting, like, bolt upright in a chair, singing I Can Hear It Coming in the Air Tonight or whatever that song is. That was <laughs> I don't know. If it, yeah. I can feel it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then the drum set comes out of the ground yeah. and he just starts playing drums and it's like a robot playing drums, singing this song. Yeah. I remember the Bob Dylan one and the, the David Bowie. That's what really... Comes. I remember the David Bowie one, too. <laughs> yeah. It's like a nightmare-inducing... <laughs> we would go to that thing all the time, though. Yeah, I remember going a few times, but that was... For me, that was my first exposure. I, you know, I... But that's to the aesthetic. 
To the extent in and the music that I don't remember hearing. They played like, God, God Save, Save the Queen. You wear a headset, oh, and it would okay. pick up like it play like thirty seconds of a song. Oh. But our dad had punk records. Like we had like Ian Dury, and he had like Madness, and he had like the Battered Wives LP. Yeah, and like he had kind of interesting taste in music back then because he must have had a record player in London because he had that Prince Buster record. Yeah, yeah, when he was in London. But I mean, before he went to London, he had punk records as they were coming out. Yeah. Like, that would have been like mid-80s by the time we were in England. Oh, yeah. Well, I think for for me, I think that was 90. Yeah, 90 maybe. Maybe. 89, yeah. 90. But yeah. And then... Um, on that same trip, do you remember we saw Joe Strummer in a bar? No. Yeah? You don't remember he was sitting at the end of the bar and then oh, we didn't talk to him? Do you yeah. remember that? Because it was like the dude, it was like Led Zeppelin's roadies bar. I don't I don't remember yeah. the circumstances around, but I do remember the fact it that... It was an old Hellfire Club building. And I remember because I was really into the X-Men and the Hellfire Club and the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> Good and, story, Eric. And it was actually based on the real Hellfire yeah, yeah, yeah. Club, right? And so this is one of their buildings... And it was, that's totally right. I totally fucking blanked on that until you said it now, but Joe Strummer was at the end of the bar. I just, I had the we word, got introduced yeah. to him and we didn't talk to him or anything. Yeah, I just, I remember that trip because it was, I guess, it was such a big thing going to London. I heard so much about it before. And then just in the first few days we were there, you know, we went to Wax Museum with the Joe Strummer thing, which I had no context back then. But I, you know, I heard the name and dad told us about it. And then we walked by Charlie Watts in the street. And then yeah. we really wanted to say hello. Don't say hello to him. Wow, what's the deal there? We just saw Charlie Watts walking down the street. My dad's like, Yeah, but why do you say don't say he just, My dad wanted to, like, you know, not blow up his spot. Play oh, cool. okay. You know, be cool. I thought there was like a reputation. I thought there was like a low key rap that you guys were. I see. And then also on that trip, the thing I, the, do you remember Lemmy used to drink up the street at the bar on the corner? Yeah, I remember. And he'd wear like that, a yeah. World War One helmet, a German <laughs> helmet. And he was drinking at the bar. And then Dad had all these fantastic stories. Like Damon Alban was. No, the, I met him, dude. You met him at the I bar. Met him, yeah, like when I went to England the first time before you went there, we went to the bar one night. And my dad's like, and my dad introduced me to this bartender, and I like remember how cool he looked. He looked so cool. And they were like, oh, he plays in this band, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> And then years later, Dad's like, oh, that was Damon Alburn. He used to be the bartender there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. No, a lot of weird stories. That was definitely uh, Dad's years in England or a mystery to Tristan and I. I want to do a podcast with him one day. Just be like, okay, Dad, <laughs> let's explain the English years to me. <laughs> Take me through them. <laughs> a lot of weird questions I have from those periods. It was like the lost years. I'm trying to think of the uh, next one. That was uh, that was a weird trip. That was a weird trip. But yeah, I'm trying to think of the next point. So overall, do you, you're trying to are you trying to pick stuff you think was intentionally not mentioned? No, no, no. It was just stuff that I think you know. It was stuff I remember that, I don't know, came uh, okay. naturally also, to Damien. Uh, and I'm kind of like, you know, I love that episode because I think it's really reflective of Joan and I's post-show relationship. But the two people on stage were fucked up that, you know, output the most energy, you know, physically during that time period are Joan and I. 
So the last two people that should be having an extended conversation that's going to be recorded for posterity <laughs> are Jonah and I. They both sound so tired and defeated in that episode. Poor, no, it's poor Jonah's like trying to stay chipper and everything, and I'm like, hey, yeah, what's up, man? No, it's all good. <laughs> you got, it's good. You're too close to it. Jonah doesn't sound like he ever gets tired. No. Just, Jonah was tired that night. We were both like, that was the end of an exhausting, you know, like, it, it sounds ridiculous to, to say this because people like, you know, are like, oh, fuck, people complain about doing this shit in bands, but like, that was an exhausting European tour. And we were both, like, pretty wiped. And I'm like, remember this thing you promised to do for me? <laughs> Let's do it. Guess what? <laughs> it's good. I, I don't think... I, I still think it's fine. No, I love it. I love yeah. I love talking to Jonah and, like... Yeah. You know, like, short of Tristan doing it, or this friend of ours, Simon Ennis, could probably do a pretty good one about the early years. Oh, you know what? The next thing... Um, so skipping over time period a little bit, but one thing that didn't come up, which were pivotal for me, and I think you know for you, were raw energy and matinees. Oh, which ones? One of the, the remember the ones at the place that used to be the gas works. Yeah, yeah. The at the place that was in um, was it the gas works. Was it called? It used to be. I don't know what it turned into. No, it was the one that they. What's the one they go to in Wayne's World? This is the Gasworks? I thought it was the Gasworks, right? Yeah. So they go to, okay, that's what it, that, so it was. That was history. based on that. Yeah, it was yeah. like an old metal club in Toronto. Back yeah, in you used to have the graphics on the yeah. side of all that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they did a bunch there. There was also Rotate This in the back of Rotate. They did a bunch of these. Matches. Yes. That's that's another thing that had come up is the, the Rotate This in-stores. The Rotate yeah. This in-stores were fucking huge. Yeah. Huge. And I was trying to think of all the ones we went to because it, it felt like we went to a whole bunch of them. Goops. Melvin's high standard, high standard. The queers, queers. Um, we didn't go to Five Knuckle Chuckle because there was another matinee show, and I remember they came to the matinee show afterwards. Might three have been males. We, I think we saw three empty males <laughs> back there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was like a trigger happy. Trigger happy. Because I remember, I remember going up to Al afterwards because I picked up the first trigger happy CD. And there was like a little photocopy piece of paper that's like, ask us about Kingpin. So I go up to Alan, I'm like, hey, I'm, I want to ask you about Kingpin. And he's like, don't ever fucking ask me about that band ever fucking again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Oh, DBS? DBS back there. Yeah. DBS back there was the coolest. Life. That was like was a life-changing moment for me. <laughs> oh my God, dude. And then like walking, because like, we knew what DBS looked like from the Tales from the Crypt CD, but yeah. if the music was loud enough, wasn't out yet. So like we want, we expect them to look like these little kids, yeah. and then it was like the end of Wayne's World bogus journey where like Wayne and Garth come out of the rock elevators and they're like now rock gods, <laughs> you know, and like so we show up in DBS they've all got like mini dreads that are dyed like pink and they're like yeah. wearing all this like cool like proto emo skate clothes and we're just like, <laughs> oh my god. But they still did a matching T-shirt thing or no? No, it was no, post that era. It's just post that era. Like by by the way, funny of topic I remember in some department store I, f- I can't remember which but I remember finding that shirt wow yeah. you remember one of your friends had one like that too and it, I lost it because I was just like I, I thought it was so cool I didn't buy it weirdly enough but I thought it was so cool they had it and I thought wow that's funny that they got it. clearly they just went to whatever yeah, thing that's, that's where I got it from but it was still in I mean this was like I don't know it was definitely well into tales 
maybe even the second uh, record, bought that, that it was still carried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, it was just, yeah. People who don't, who know what we're talking about would be tripped out on that, which would be two people. TBS has come up on the show like no, no, so no, much. But that, came on that, the health episode. That specific oh, that specific era yeah, and yeah. instance of that band, yeah. which is really, really specific. The, the outreach TBS had, I'm realizing now, might be some of the greatest of that era of bands from Canada. Because just like, you know, like, I don't think Treble Charger was going to America playing. Well, I guess they were, but like, you just want to, I don't ever run into kids. Maybe I'm in the wrong circle. They were like, oh, is it the show on Treble Charger played? Well, you know, but what, I, run Charger, I don't know about like around the country, but I. I mean, the States, like running into American yeah, people. Yeah, like, yeah, DBS yeah. got to America. They were in a very. Uh, whatever like when you think about the band like especially like rancid or like those bands they were like tight with or whatever it's kind of crazy that they didn't didn't seem to to go like not that they didn't go anywhere they went they did what they did but they didn't have that like moment of arrival well their sound went so like i remember seeing them open for afi and it was very clear that like they had not listened to afi since uh, answer that and say fashionable or very proud of you. <laughs> yeah. And it was very clear. I don't think Davey had listened to them post Tales from the Crib era. Yeah. And like here they were like at that point like effectively a screamo band. Band. Yeah. And AFI was effectively like this giant rock band by that point. Like they were transitioning to the AFI they would become. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like amazing to see these two bands like reconnect five years but like a world apart. Yeah. Well, that's what DBS were so important for me then, because like you always hear people, yeah, they're upstairs. Bowling. <laughs> we actually do sessions in here, and that goes through. What are they? What, what, they, what goes on up there? That's literally someone just walking across the floor. That's cool. how well sound travels in this place. <laughs> but DBS were so pivotal for for me because it felt like like they were the first band, you know, who were close to our age that were doing it, that were playing punk mm-hmm. music and they were meeting these punk celebrities and playing with these punk celebrities and they just seemed so accessible mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it felt like a, a tangible thing in music. Yeah. And they were good. And they were good. It wasn't like, I mean, even now, I, I recently acquired Snowball, the 7-inch. Really? I'm very proud, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, Tristan, look at Tristan seething with jealousy. Why? Well, because yeah, I, I gave it to you. Well, I traded to you. Yeah, like you gave it to me. I just gave it to you the goodness of my heart. I'm like, here, bro, take this. I traded it for something crazy. Mm, yes. I don't know about that. Yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring up a fight amongst brothers here, but um, but anyway, yeah. And I still, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with all of it. Like, I have no. There's definitely stuff on those early records you could tell that they're kids, but like it's great, man. The records are great. Chris gave me the DOA split. Was the really? first thing I he did, gave me. Yeah, yeah. Did True. you really? True. Do you have a copy of that? I do. Yeah, I had you doubles. Doubles? Well, yeah. Holy moly! Yeah. yeah. See my on later M- era on empty records, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's on empty. Is it on empty or is it on? It's not Sunday. on Sunday. No, it's not. Or on Sunday. if it's a split, it's like a cold release. But I think it's empty. It's like some weird. I remember it's like yellow and red splatter or whatever. Yeah, it's weird color vinyl. That's one of actually that's one of the best DBS songs. Is that homophobia is a crime or criminal or? Uh, I'm not sure, but it has um, trophy something trophy bad with song titles. But anyway, the B, there's a B side essentially on that. That's the best DBS song. I think the best DBS things definitely my favorite DBS record is the split with Anti Flag, but not those recordings. Like if they had, yeah yeah they weren't yeah, live versions yeah. of all those songs. Yeah. 
David O's a Nazi is like it's great. Fuck yeah. perfect. I, I is for in, like oh, in particular criminal. of yeah. all their records. I is is whatever I is for insignificance or whatever it's called. The one on sudden death, the one that Joey should have put out. Yeah, that record is great. Like it's it's crazy that that never came out. On ret like on vinyl, and only on CD at the time. Mm-hmm. No one's none of their shit. stuff came out. None of their early catalog came out on vinyl. None of the LPs, but they have the singles. Yeah, there's like two. Yeah. There's a bunch of singles. Yeah. Sunday and popularity contest. That's, that's it. Popularity songs. contest. Uh, Sunday was the single off eyes eyes for whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great song too. But the yeah, because that's right. Because the singles, the DOA split. That's right. You're not a huge fan of later period DBS. No, he's Love huge. Right he's the massive. Way. The he goes way. super deep, man. Speaking my language here. The whole way. <laughs> I like that. And that's one. Of, they're one of the only groups that sounds like that that I give even a, a terrible. Like, I don't. That's not my. Th- but I, I push back, though, because I, I don't think they are. The accusation that gets levied is that they became outright this. I like. Yeah, it's different than the first record, but it's not. The last thing they ever did is probably the furthest, of course, out. But that record on. Uh, they're like little some, kids. Some boys too. got it, most men don't. Like whatever yeah. label put that out. Uh, um, New Disorder. New Records. Disorder. There we go. The one that did the early American uh, uh, steel and crap like that. Like that. Like, I think they're from the Pacific Northwest. That label, but that even that record is is like metalier. You know what I mean? It's not. Uh, it's not like weenie sounding, if you will. Like like that's the. Always the beef people tend to say, but I, I don't know. People can judge on their own. I just I love that group. Yeah. I go with all of it. I have no. Uh, I do think that the earlier records are certainly more indicative of what that band represents to me in my mind. But mm-hmm. I saw them late era and they were incredible live. Like always good. So that was the other thing is like I remember that <laughs> we'd see them every year. I feel like they come back every year in the summer when they tour Toronto and the style would be different every year and we'd punish them harder every year because <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like when they were stuck here with anti-flag and falling sickness yeah that was that was nuts but they probably like I would love to just do a, like a two hour conversation with all those people like just being trapped in the city like falling sickness <laughs> like DPS and anti-flag well, they were here for how long like two weeks it felt like oh, at least a week <laughs> did a bunch of shows and they, could, so they couldn't annoying. shake you guys every day well they, they would just they play every day and the fake fanzine didn't come up either I don't think no we didn't bring up the fake fanzine really yeah so Dame and I had a fake fanzine that we came up with well with Simon we planned on it coming out for real like, it didn't become a fake fanzine. No, it became... You started using it as a fake fanzine when you are hanging out with Blink-182. I started using it for everything. Yeah, like, you, you <laughs> ran with the fake... I stopped doing it when it became very apparent that there's no way we're ever going to transcribe all these interviews. I was like, when... It was circling the drain. It was just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> it was called Drunken Box Kicking. Yeah. Because we watched... The first time we ever saw a Jackie Chan film was <laughs> Drunken Fist Boxing the night before. <laughs> That is a pretty impactful moment of your life yep. to see your first Jackie Chan. Well, and I think it just around the same time I got a dictaphone as a birthday present. Yeah. And it was like, nah, the race was on. So it was like <laughs> an, the ultimate excuse to, you know, maneuver your way backstage. Yeah. Hey, can I do an interview for my fans? Yeah. yeah. We really ran with it, though, that second warp tour. Oh, yeah. Then they came through and we were like interviewing No Effects and Pennywise and. Unwritten law and down by law and like <laughs> somewhere there's these tapes with all these 
amazing interviews, what? like the most generic uh, interviews. Oh, so they would probably be the worst questions. The too. worst questions. What was your inspiration? Yeah. For How's tour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You interviewed like Eric Melvin, and we interviewed Eric uh, uh, together. Yeah, and Smelly, and then. Uh, I tell I tell that dude when I see him smelling. I'm like, yo, you were cool back then. Like everyone he was else, so cool. Everyone else in your band was a fucking dick, but <laughs> you were cool. Yeah, no, Mel- Melvin was cool. Eric Melvin was cool. Hefe um, <laughs> and Mike were not cool. Not cool. Not cool. cool. No chill. <laughs> but then, it, in retrospect, I remember uh, Limo was the coolest. Yeah. Yo, know, I tell that dude. I owe Limo for life. I, I'll, I'll tell Limo, No Effects Road Crew, Pennywise Road Crew, because the next year. Dude, I don't think this has ever come on the show when um, <laughs> we went H2O and, of course, like, did the other classic Punisher move. This is a few years later, the the one in London where you go up to the band and you're like, hey, can you put on the guest list for the next oh, show you're playing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we did H2O on H2O. I was like, yeah, sure, for sure, we'll be on the guest list. And so we show up to Buffalo the next day. No, not on the guest <laughs> list at all. You were with us. I was with nah, like I didn't go to that one. And like I just like my and I you know I have a anxiety disorder, so I start pay, freaking the fuck out. Like we're stranded in Buffalo with nothing to do all day. <laughs> and then South Limo, Park, no less. Limo came, so comes over to drop the guess those names off of the door, and I'm like Limo, Limo, I'm Damien. I didn't make a go And my friends were here. And so he's like, yeah, just put these guys on the guest list too. And so he put us all on the guest list, and we got passes. Went oh, back to yeah, that's cool. Met Carl Alvarez for the first time back there. How yeah. did we get passes into the first one, though? Uh, we helped Limo carry in shirts for Pennywise. Uh, and he helped us up with passes. And we had, like, we didn't have enough passes to go around with all our friends. So we'd have to rotate the pass. <laughs> I just remember keeping it. <laughs> I remember rotating it. I remember much. being on by myself on stage during Pennywise singing Bro Him wearing a knapsack. Bro Him being like, Everything downhill oh. since. Oh my god. <laughs> what amazing moment. Were you at any of those early work tours? What was your first work I was tour? at 97. First one was the year before. I missed the first year, which was the really good one. No, that's the, that's the one we went backstage at, the one in 97. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I was at that one, and I was at the... In Buffalo, was, though? Was, yeah. Okay, we, we yeah. didn't go to the Buffalo. Yeah, you did. The South no, Park. no, we went to... Was it Mossport Racetrack? No, no, that was 96. Yeah. I was at that. That's not no effects played and uh, yeah. The then the next year ninety seven was yeah. yeah no, yeah. ninety seven was so ninety six yeah. was the first one you were at. Yeah, I missed the year before, which I believe was the first. Yeah, first the one. first that so was that like was quicksand. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I went to that yeah. one. Yeah. I saw like bands off the dates of that. Like I saw SNFU play my area off. Like clearly they had an off date. Something was up mm-hmm. where they had played. Um, but no, I never. They played with Trigger Happy. Did you go to Snow Jam? Uh-huh. No, none of those. That's Dame. We've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Those you never went to any of those wild ass parties. No, but '97 <laughs> was the last Warp tour. Not that I attended, but that I attended as like a paying to go. And then I, you and I. Yeah, we went. Subtext me had to work. 2006, I feel like, or yeah. something like that. That was the most Five cash or six. I've ever held in my hand. Yeah. At one time, yeah. selling merch for Lex on Fire. It was like, a it was a busy busy day. It must have been like like I don't know like twenty five grand in twenties. Yeah. So you were like, working the merch table all day. No, well, no, Chris was working. I, was. Oh. <laughs> I, yes. I would help Chris. 
<laughs> I will help. I help. You help. They're yes, the Russians. You help. Yes. <laughs> and then I would go and just sit in the bus with Alexa and play. Yes. Uh, and leave Chris to do it. You yeah. know your brother, right? Yeah. Met your brother. Very well. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some good shows that day. I worked. No, I don't think I saw good shows. Alexis set was don't ridiculous. Don't much else. I remember but, seeing Alexis play on the small stage because they, they had him on the small stage for the American dates and they wanted to move him to the big stage. They're like, no, we're going to stay on the stage. We're, we're playing. And it was just I don't even think... I, will, we, I don't even know what the, the layout... Yeah. No, I don't even... I Yeah, I don't remember watching him that day. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't have any recollection of seeing... I don't think I saw anybody play that day, actually. Like, I was selling crap all day. But, yeah, I... I do, it's just, uh, but that was the last one I attended, attended at all, and then I don't... Yeah, I, I went to the one, a, I went to one last summer hmm. in New Jersey. Yeah, you were mentioned, yeah, yeah. So, like, I think, like, 97 or even the earlier ones for me were, yeah, there were, those lines were pretty nuts. Like, yeah. When you think of some of those bands. Yeah, I, we talked about the, the best one ever, the 98. 98, I didn't watch well, it. 98, wonder, but. 99. Well, the one where it's, like, Blink-182, Seven Seconds, Scarhead... Body oh, yeah, count. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, H2O. Uh, fuck, it was just wild. Eminem. Black Eyed Peas. We did talk about this. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the best lineup. Like, that might be better than, like, you look at the lineup for, like, Woodstock now, and, like, you put more contemporary bands on there, obviously, but that's, like, a... That's uh, that's like that's my controversial opinion. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you put Scarhead on Woodstock, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I wish that were that would be fucking amazing. I'd be all about it. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm just trying to think of the next one. Um, and you talked about you're in trouble. Yeah. But I don't know how much you talked about starting block and the promise capped. Promise capped. Yeah. yeah. So when you first got into hardcore, that I remember, there there were pivotal bands, but I feel like that was like. 96, 97. I was already into hardcore because I was already like a hardcore straight-edge kid. And you guys were like, you were already into it, but you were already gravitating more to emo. But you had this whole crop of friends that were into punk. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to convert all these kids. Well, that's where I actually kids. got to know with the Raw Energy matinees was actually where I got to know those guys. Oh, really? Was, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, from there, uh, you know... Promise Cap started and then quickly broke up the DBS show. Uh, no, that wasn't when we broke up. We had a membership change. No, but don't you remember Dizzy was late to the concert and DBS didn't show up, so you guys ended up playing DBS covers and <laughs> the drummer yeah. was really pissed off about that. Do you remember who also played that show? <laughs> who else played? Oh, Simple Cole. Plan. But it was like the end end of reset be- just before it became simple plan. Wow. Yeah, that's right. And we were like, oh my what god. What a strange but era. Did they they play that because I because you guys played after them. Yeah. Yeah, no one cared about that band at that point. <laughs> no, but didn't they play they played a snow jam too? Yeah, but like everyone hated them by that point. Like this is already like kind of like that stuff's on the way out. Skate punk's kind of on the way out. Mm-hmm. By that point, right? And like, by that point, everyone's like a hardcore kid. Yeah, because that was around the time, like, remember it shows at the Shanghai, because that's where that yeah, show it was. Yeah, at the Shanghai. Um, but, you know, I feel like that venue was a big deal. Yeah, for a minute, when it was here for a minute, it, there was just like, there was just very key shows there. 
There's also key shows that no one went to. Like, <laughs> no one went to Stigmata, All Out War, and Blood for Blood. Like, wow. Maybe Dom, and that was it. That like, was there was like no one at that show. I never went to the thing, but I, I remember the one big show I remember everyone talking about. I think it was, was Sick of It All, I want to say, with yeah. One King Down. And Strife. And Strife. And okay. Trigger Happy. Grade. Okay. Yeah. Didn't Grade? No, Trigger Happy. Grade. It was Grade. Uh, with Promise Ring and uh, okay, yeah, what's yeah, yeah, Jimmy yeah, World? Yeah, Jimmy World, yeah. Early Jimmy World. There was a few, yeah, big. I remember though, like people going. But the sick of it all. White Stripes played there. First White Stripes in Toronto show. Oh, really? Opening for uh, Question Mark and the Mysterians or something. Wow. Dad was at that one. <laughs> you didn't tell me that until recently, but wow, I didn't know the White Stripes played there. Yeah. Huh. I remember that sick of it all show being nuts. No, it's people tearing down the roof and stuff. Yeah, that's what, yeah, everyone was, that's the reputation of it. That was, that feels like to me, that was like the birth of like Riverdale hardcore, like that period where our neighborhood had all these hardcore kids, like it felt like that show, like I remember all of us being in the pit, moshing, and being like, wow, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. <laughs> I got a scene in my neighborhood now. But that was, and it was like six months and all those kids are like, what, you know, partying after that. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't last for long. It did not last for long. <laughs> the crucial summer where like you could like go over to someone's house and just read tension building fanzine because he would have that too. <laughs> like <laughs> Well I remember that venue being especially weird because they'd have the shows on like what, the fourth floor or something, and then it was like a total mystery what was on all the other floors. There were two fl- two venue floors. There was one that was just like a the big room and then there was that little room with a corner stage. I remember going up in the elevator once and the door opening on the wrong floor and there was a girl dancing on stage and just one guy watching her. Yeah, because the, like, the little the stage would become like a strip here. club at times too. Wow. Yeah. It was, a, it was a strange place. There were some like weird ass shows there. Do you remember the Hardcore Hotline benefit with Three Penny Opera? Yeah. Um, yeah. Three Penny Opera were awesome. I, I like, never saw them either. I saw awesome Shotmaker, but really? I never saw Three Penny. Oh, they were fucking awesome, oh, they were man. Good. They were good live. The last... Promise Kept show um, was opening for Trigger Happy at 360. Oh no, what is Trigger Happy playing? Are Maybe. you sure that was that was after that Shanghai? Yeah, because then because Liam Yeager joined for a while. Ah, uh, okay. he did a whole run of shows with Liam in the band as well. Okay, we for Breakdown. Did that see you replace Dizzy on bass with Liam? <laughs> yeah, at that show. <laughs> we got Liam for Breakdown. Because uh, Breakdown came to Toronto to play, <laughs> they came what I'm sure was not a very fun show for them on the Thorpe Records record, yeah. Or whatever. But I think yeah. it might have been before that even came out. Yeah, and they played at the Shanghai wow. on like an insane bill with Day of Mourning and like all Can't the usual what suspects. What's that record called? What's that record called? It's got a black and white cover. It's got Street Fight on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't care who's wrong or right tonight. Yeah, that's wild though. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've been in some bands, you know. I've oh, gigged. Right. I've gigged. What was it? Promise Kept was the last name? or Yeah, because it was originally Starting Block, and starting it was more block, like a youth yeah. crew band, but then uh, the emo influence reared its head, <laughs> and, it, and it became kind of convergy. Well, that's where the rest of your members were headed. <laughs> yeah. Except for you. You like, yeah. you know, youth crew hardcore at the time. I was like the one thing that held true. Well, I remember, for me, and this is going to sound super lame, but the first... Hardcore song I ever heard was when we went and saw Propagandi in uh, in Oshawa. Yeah, and I played "Fuck the Border," 
And that was the first type of like hardcore sounding song that I ever heard. Um, but at that point, I guess that's, that's 96. So yeah. And then yeah. Snapcase. We've been to other shows. Like we had seen like Armand Hammered, right? Like we had seen hardcore bands. Oh yeah. Who'd Hockey teeth and all so that. So Armed and Hammered, uh, Maryland's Vitamins, and who headlined that show on Queen Street, the Hyper Club? Oh God, I don't know. I don't think I was at that show. MDC, uh, MDC played the Hyper Club. I know. I remember the Hyper Club. We went to a few. Wouldn't times, have been but... like what was that other um... random killing? Yeah. Then? Well, that was. With the... Did you talk about the random killing show that you went to? And yeah, and you bought okay. a bunch of clothes from Value Village. <laughs> No, that was, we bought a bunch of clothes before oh, we went for the, the Alice Donut, Alice Donut yeah, show. That's right. <laughs> um, and the dude <laughs> tackled us to the ground. But the Random Killing show, I remember. Random Killing show, I went with Simon Ennis, and we went to the Rivoli, and they were like, are you guys 19? And we're like, no, no, we're like, do you have to be over 19 to get into the show? And they're like, are you? And we're like, uh, he's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> River League definitely has a much stricter door policy these days. Would not recommend trying that now. Um, and then we went in and saw, and it was like, oh god, that's like a perfect bill. Five Uncle Chuckle. Um, I think Trigger Happy played. Trunk definitely played because they had just been signed. And Random Killing, and the dude from Random Killing was so drunk he smashed his bass and on stage. Yeah, I remember that was one. Of the really first. upset about it afterwards. Yeah. And then they picked up all the pieces, and they got, I guess they reassembled the bass. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to remember who else played that show, but it was like the perfect raw energy bill. Like, you'd be like, oh my god, like, like, Maryland's Vitamins might have played, but it might have been before they were on the label, even. I think that was before, because I, I remember the first time I saw Maryland's Vitamins was at Hyper, and the only reason I, I you know, I, I saw that I loved their music when we first saw them, but... You know, Dan was dressed in all Green Day regalia. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> this guy's wicked. <laughs> and he was the dude who jumped up on stage during the Green Day show in 96. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, at, at Maple Leaf Gardens. And that's where I recognized him from. I was like, yeah, this guy's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sandy also got up to play with Green Day at Phoenix, right? Did, no, she hung out with them after. No, I think she gets up on stage and plays with them. She's saying Lori Myers with no effects. I remember that. Yeah, I was at that Green Day show, and I remember because I went with an ex-girlfriend. And no, she Mike Long got brought up on stage. That yeah, was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember that. Yeah, no, and uh, but Sandy, you know, when she had her fanzine, was like, "Hey, you don't want to stay?" And I had to go, and and then she told me the next day, like, "Oh yeah, I hung out with Green Day for like three hours backstage, and it was like the best thing ever." <laughs> the best. <laughs> I remember being jealous at the You time. would freak out if you met Green Day. At that time, I was I was an obsessive. They were like, but I think even if you met them now, you'd freak. I, yeah, no. I think you would. <laughs> no. Don't make me bring up the Drew Barrymore incident. You go for it. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I think mean, you got to qualify. It's not an incident. Um, it's funny because I was thinking about calling the best show and telling them. <laughs> the Drew Barrymore story. <laughs> I had a friend that worked at Sweaty Bed. But you gotta be, okay, Tristan loved True Barry. Okay, right? I, like, I, I it gathered, would be like yes. a very like deep, yeah. deep, lifelong. Alright, okay. Let's not oversell it here. Like, like you're not Diesel Boy <laughs> writing terrible profane songs about it. But like, put it this way, you probably fight Diesel Boy for writing horribly profane songs about the love that you have for this woman. 
Uh, I think that's a little much, but um, I had a friend that worked at Sweaty Betty's, attended bar at Sweaty Betty's, and one night he called and he said, oh, Drew Barrymore's here. Come down. And uh, <laughs> went down with Sarah. This is like the equivalent like of you calling me, Chris, and being like, yo, Andre the Giant and yeah, Robbie Brookside yeah, right, are down here yeah. with Danzig. <laughs> and it's sexy. With Danzig. <laughs> Danzig. <laughs> but uh, she was at Sweaty Betty's with um, Justin Long and Scott Speedman. And Scott Speedman was obliterated, like taking his pants off in the middle of the... Whoa. Um, in the middle of the patio. Everybody was drunk and having a good time. It was, yeah. And I don't know if this is much of a story. <laughs> There's a part that's like my favorite part of the story. Oh, okay. So then they're in a conversation or whatever. and Because uh, like you got introduced. like It was like you met her. Yeah, because Jules, I should, Jules uh, who Damien and I have kind of grown up with, um, is, is a people, is a man of the people. He's just one of those guys who's just... We'll talk to anybody who's friends with everybody. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, Drew, hey, this is my friend Tristan. Uh, wow. <laughs> anyways, I got up and I was pretty shook. I'll admit, I was, <laughs> I was pretty shook. And Sarah was just this so is pissed. This was awesome. Time. Yeah, I was so pissed. And so she's just like, fuck you. And then just went like, oh, this guy's loved you like his whole life. Like, he no. loves like every movie you're in. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, but then she goes, she goes, she goes, are you fucking crying? Because you like teared up. <laughs> no, she, she just went for it. She, she's just like, I, you know, I can't believe I've been drugged down here or whatever. And they ended up really getting along, Sarah and, and Drew. And she was totally cool. But, uh, but yeah, she was going out of her way to embarrass me as hard as she could. <laughs> So yeah, I would that's, do the that's same. pretty much the story. Yeah. So when I get to introduce you to Billy Joe Armstrong, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Are you I've fucking met him. crying? I met him. When did you meet him? I went down to Much Music in 97, 96 or 97. And, uh, and then that was the day they, they did an intermittent interactive and then went to CFMY when yeah. it was on Young Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that was another thing though. Um, CFMY on Bloor, and that didn't really come up in the in the. I thought it came up with the Thurston Moore. I don't know because to me, you know, because it was right by our school at the time, and we were Punishers. So we, we were school super big Punishers, <laughs> and that's <laughs> for like where hours. I, I feel like I was schooled by the girl who worked there about how to be a good Punisher. <laughs> like how to, <laughs> Punisher she told me once, she's like, because. <laughs> <laughs> they had all these photos on the wall of all the guests that had come in or whatever. And they no, they had an autograph. It was a mirror. Every band had ever been there had signed. Yeah, and I was like, it's oh, probably in the back yeah. of that fucking goo still, like that restaurant on Bloor. Yeah, but don't you remember they had a photo wall too? And I remember they had like a bunch of Mike Dern photos at the time. And I remember going after school one day and be like, hey, can I like buy these when you're done with them? And she's like, no, the trick is don't, don't offer people money to buy them or whatever. Just, just ask them. Just ask them. <laughs> she's like, if you just ask them nicely and you get them in the right moment, like, let's just give them to you. So I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, remember <laughs> they gave us all these demos one time? Like, Man, yeah. You two are like, it's funny that you were both like that. I always just assumed it was Damien, but that's hilarious. I don't know. No, I was worse. I think I was worse. Because Damien refined <laughs> yeah. his skills after a while and learned how to not run so hot. So I never learned how to do that. <laughs> I think, I think, well, no, I think 
I just got more into like hardcore and you became more like sociable. You yeah, started hanging out with like, you know, kids your own age and I was hanging out with like old people asking about records. I feel like the, in that period of my life, I just got more annoying when I was around bands and stuff. So like, you know, the end of the, 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 the fake fanzine run was the, that Blink-182 <laughs> show. When the I had, Alcoholics and Primus. Yeah. With the, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what a bill. And I, it was right when Scott was leaving the band and no, with Travis's ska band. Also, oh yeah, Aquabats played Aquabats, too. Yeah. Aquabats yeah. played. Um, and right before uh, Scott left the band, so he was like, "Fuck it," I, you know. I don't know if he was into it at all. So I was like, "Hey, Scott, can I like take my friends backstage?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> so just, he hands like me a pass, and then just ushers like me and seven friends backstage. Wow, teenagers. Yeah, the government. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I was 15 or something. And uh, <laughs> then it's like me and seven other people in the backstage's cramped little room with Blickway 2. And like, hey guys, so how you doing? It's good to see you back in town. I remember when you came back and you were like, I played him great. I was playing him Jimmy Eat World because they hadn't heard any of this stuff. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Wow. It was bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it was bad. <laughs> You're like playing my CD player. <laughs> You're too insane. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Oh my it, god! You know, at a certain point, you just at that age. Yeah, I was, I was younger. But you already that faked interview Blink One Eighty Two for uh, the fake fanzine, like when they yeah, came which went really well. Like this is I should give context, but because uh, <laughs> the first time we saw him upstairs at the Alma Combo at the matinee. Yeah, and then, well, you didn't know because I was going to a party that night. That was the night that I... Uh, or you picked the five... No. Was that the day No, no, no. I just left early because we were going to go to a party. I was with uh, a friend and we bought body jar shirts. So I most of the two set and left. Yeah. Yeah. You left for Blink-22. We saw most of their set and then we were split. Okay. So that was when we were still rolling with the big fans and so I went up and interviewed them after the show and they were super nice. Like super... Because at the time I was just a young kid um, asking him stupid questions and it was... You know, they they couldn't have been cooler. And then the warp tour after that, um, where I got shittier, progressively shittier, <laughs> got my way onto the bus and did another fake interview. Wow. And then, yeah. In retrospect, actually speaking about this stuff out loud. Got a fake book about your career coming out. Yeah. <laughs> my Punisher history. Um, they were surprisingly cool. <laughs> you know. I can imagine a lot of other bands just being like, fuck off, like, get out of here. Well, especially, like, I could see falling for it one time. Twice. And then maybe even twice, but then by the second time, you're like, fuck, there's no way that kid comes anywhere near this anymore. But that's where Scott came in. <laughs> that's where Scott came in. Maybe, like, that was the nail in the coffin of his Blink-182 career. Yeah. <laughs> he like, fired him that night. <laughs> Dude, you let a bunch of fucking Punisher teenagers... I'm listening to some dude fucking scream <laughs> on his CD player. I thought I swerved this guy back in fucking War Tour, and now he's <laughs> backstage at the show with seven of his friends. And it was so bad, too. Like, I was the only guy talking, and then the, the seven friends were just hanging in the corner in this tiny dressing room. Yeah. Was, yeah, I think the end of it was like, yeah, we gotta, like, do stuff, so we'll see you guys later, maybe. <laughs> So Gabe, Bob Mould did that to me like two weeks ago. So. <laughs> Gotta play soon, so I'll see you after the show. <laughs> yeah, Bob, fine. Okay. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. You want to do my interview? Or, okay. uh, no, we definitely, definitely the fake fanzine was a key moment in our lives. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, so DBS, Anti-Flag, um, and then you did, I feel like you did a few on your own too. I did a Falling Sickness interview outside the show. Yeah. And I've been to come up on the podcast before, but like, I have photos of that. You know, I have a photo of us interviewing Falling Sickness somewhere. I've seen a photo. And the lead singer of Falling Sickness is wearing a bold shirt, a champion shorts, oh. Air, Nike Air Maxes, and is X'd up, doing like some sort of weird joke cosplay of a youth crew kid. But like, this is in the like mid 90s. To a crowd of kids that it would have gone over every single person in the room. Yeah, yeah. Well, because that... Okay, so that must have been... That was like the second or, or whatever show that they did when they were stranded here. But then, do you remember they did... I feel like the last one was at the Generator. The one of them was at the Generator. I think, it was, I think it was an earlier than the last one. I think all the last ones were at the Hyper. But that's when the Generator was like... I remember it being a, a big excursion for us to go out there. And mom's rules that you cannot go to Queen and Ossington. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way. Do not let me catch you going to Queen and Ossington. Yeah. And where's the generator? <laughs> On the fucking corner of Queen and Ossington. <laughs> By that super Galaxy sketchy Donuts. Like Galaxy Donuts. I think the Galaxy Donuts is still there, actually. It might be. It's that certainly not experience. as wild as it used to be. But. That was an experience hanging out there the Galaxy Donuts all night. Because that was the other thing that's come <laughs> up on this podcast a lot with different people. So I know this wasn't just unique to us. But this idea that you're like, well, I'm going to a show, so i got to show up at like 2 in the afternoon. That is, yeah. <laughs> that's a classic like young person fail. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I ever did. I think maybe for my first couple shows I recall doing that. Being worried at the time, like not contextualizing like, Show selling out or sold out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got to make sure it's like, well, you know, these, these are like bar shows, small bar shows, and the idea of like going hours in advance is ridiculous. Yeah, like we need not worry about anti-flag DBS selling out no. the generator. I do think though, you do, you two especially seem to have these funny stories that occur because of that. And when you're young, I do think that tends to happen. Like, oh, you happen to see the band, or you see like yeah. some hijinks ensue in those hours. But so much, it's like. No, I just waited for five hours and it sucked and, you know, then I got in. Well, I feel like we egged each other on back then, you know, <laughs> and embarrassing ourselves in front of bands. <laughs> but also, like, it's, it's also like there were, like, other crews. Like, there were, like, Punisher crews back then, so you'd be, like, at a show and you'd look over and you'd see another group of Punisher kids. <laughs> and, like, you could almost identify them. Like, there was, like, Chris Ritchie and Boris yeah. and, like, that crew of Punishers. Yeah. And there was, like, Mike Long and Sam Alamang and, like, Zach Felberg. Like, they weren't, I realize now they weren't, like, a crew, but, like, you'd see them, you're like, oh, that's another group of Punishers that, like, <laughs> hangs out with DBS and asks DBS questions. The difference was they actually had fanzines. <laughs> Some of them did. Zach definitely did. Zach definitely did. <laughs> But like, yeah, that's true. Because everyone's doing a fancy. <laughs> but like, these guys are no one's like, fucking we fancy matters. Like the fancy was just like a vehicle for punishment. Exactly, because that used to be the old tool. Like, yeah, <laughs> grease the. I want to hang out with the band. I want to do a fucking zine. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, and then not do it's even easier. <laughs> so. And we had a lot of people too. That's a, that's the most embarrassing thing. I wanted to come out. It'd be amazing that that thing came out now. Yeah, so well, many great interviews. 
and lost the sense long, of time. long ass gob interview even if, I, the opera. even if I did have it I don't think I'd ever <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, what's it like being on Epitaph <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, gob I forgot about that one I feel like we did that literally outside the opera house standing around for like God knows how it was like a, it was like a cipher punch or something God it was like Sandy and Fox us like it's like yeah. oh, we're gonna kick it over my man for a second he's gonna drop some questions on you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just got I got some questions about your influences I want to get to you're gonna talk about your influences for the fifth time <laughs> I'm gonna pass it back to my man he's gonna have some other questions for you yeah, I just wanna know if we've got any good tour stories yeah that was a big one that was a big one <laughs> like a press conference for this, band, for this poor god band <laughs> the height of their careers if only they knew that the height of their careers were going to be spent doing a fucking fanzine interview Gob, Gob got bigger after that Gob. yeah you're right they got a lot bigger because <laughs> the interview yeah, never came out because they dropped the box kicking interview it didn't really ever happen well then they went on CAUT oh yeah and that was that night and they got CRT changed for everybody. Oh. <laughs> Getting someone kicked off the air. And... It's a long, long history. Sort of history. A long sort of history. And, you know, that was the other thing. It, JC has come up on the podcast before, and Mods and Rockers has come up on the podcast before, but um, did you guys talk about the Hardcore Hotline? And It's come up a few times. Yeah, we just talked about the Hardcore Hotline benefit two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's come, know, Hardcore but Hotline's definitely come, come up. up. Yeah, yeah. The idea of like calling this number and yeah. like waiting. I think that, Nick that idea is we talk about. That idea is so wild still to me. <laughs> that people actually upkept it and yeah, that you know, that was like, but you know, mods and rockers and Sandy and and you know basically the genesis of that was another Punisher crew. What? Sandy and her friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's what I I remember it being like Sandy like Sandy that fanzine that she made. It was the it best was scene insane. ever done. It's like the best scene. It was like the best scene. Yeah, I remember. It was huge. It was like incredible. everybody's fanzine would be like fourteen pages, but Sandy's was like fifty. It's like a fucking phone <laughs> book. She had like an art artist hired an artist to do all the design. It was the guy who did all the five knuckle chuckle artwork. Yeah, unreal. It was. It's a yeah. No, definitely. And then Josh, what was Josh's fanzine? On the banks of the Tumid River. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a little bad. That, that was, was like crazy when all of a sudden we're like, oh shit, like little Josh has outpunked all of us. The kid from the neighborhood <laughs> just like outpunked all of us. Well, because um, Youngblood. Youngblood was that, the, the vegan straight edge band that Josh did when he was 14. Yeah, I yeah. remember hearing Did you ever see them? Oh god, no, no. They played some shows. They played like the 25 to Life show, I think, in Toronto. Really? And they got some good gigs. Wow, because that's. Because that's, you know, after Youngblood, when they dispersed and Colin started playing kind of emo. And I feel like, how how long after that was fucked up? Because that was around starting block. Oh, years. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a few years. I hated Youngblood. I was so jealous of them. <laughs> Getting all the good gig offers. Well, because like Youngblood, and then after that... Andy joined Confine. And then, then, then I would really it fucked their band. That's why our band <laughs> broke up. That's why Starting Block Promise kept broke up. Because <laughs> Confine. Andy joined Confine. <laughs> Amazing. Be for life with Confine. There we go. Now we're getting the truth. The real story of why Promise kept <laughs> yeah. broke up. Yeah, no. It was uh, Andy quit and then we didn't have a drummer. 
That's the death of any band. I remember Al Nolan being like, we should ask, Ru- <laughs> you should ask Rustin to be in the band. Could <laughs> 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 you imagine? <laughs> it would have been a different sound. It would have been a very different sound. We would have been so sick. <laughs> Sounds like chronic submission. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we have talked for a long time. Uh, I think this is good for a super show. This is a good hang. A very lovely hang enough. with both of you and being able to chat. It's very uh, thanks for letting me nice. come on and bringing up that Drew Barrymore story. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it's in the feed now. <laughs> it's gonna no, be a battle. This is behind the paywall. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, this is in the feed, dude. This is a super show. <laughs> Wait till the interviews are. That's the top cool. tier subscriber paywall. No, this is, a, this is in the feed. This is Gen Pop. I'm syndicating this one. Other episodes. Let's see, I made a mistake telling you how to put up the episodes. That was, <laughs> my, biggest, that was my biggest mistake. <laughs> yes, you did. Never give power of the distribution to the artist. It's going to change the game. I'm now the Ian McKay of this thing. Mm-hmm. I've got no one answered to. Drew Barrymore stories are going up. Well, now, now. Now my my episode doesn't ever have to air. <laughs> Your episode, we didn't even talk about the Drew Barrymore story. I feel like you brought up a lot of embarrassing shit on that. Maybe you haven't touched on that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I'm saving one more arrow in the quiver. Yeah. Well, maybe 500. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just lucky Thurston Moore doesn't remember meeting me because that would have been... Yeah. I, I was kind of really hoping during that interview you'd bring up... Remember when I... Asked you how to get to CBGBs. <laughs> Bet you he does. Funny the one the one that's coming up next week with Laura for a merge. Uh, she does remember asking me to do merch for them in London that one time. So she go pee. Could she have just said, "Yeah, I remember that"? Because you were like, "Do you remember?" What does she have to gain from lying to me now? Like I'm a grown ass adult. Like I'm gonna like, sure. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> what she have to gain? You not having a complete breakdown. I would have a Breaking breakdown. <laughs> Jay always tells me all the time I don't remember seeing you. I'm like, yeah, I know, Jay. It wasn't as impactful for you as it was for me. Well, because that's like, you, do you remember spotting me through the porthole in the door? <laughs> the <Toronto laughs> and fucking it's like a key moment, right? Like he probably like it. Bet you like like the glimmer in my eye. He knew, right? <laughs> he pointed away to you. You're just another guy staring at me with a glimmer yeah. in their eye. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, how many of those guys with a glimmer in his eye are oh. fucking bothering him to sing the last right song every time he sees them? That's, <laughs> there you go. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. Uh, if you would want to get in touch with us, with, let me try that again. If you want to get in touch with us, how do they do that, Chris? Uh, to reach us here at, I guess, this podcast now. This as podcast. Well as, yeah, it's turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And we will be coming back in a few weeks with another Super Show episode with other guests stopping by just bullshit about punk and music. And there'll be a lot like this. Like, it's just a chance to kind of, like, yeah. nerd out. And, uh, Less stories about pop punk in Toronto, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they don't all have to be. This one was very Damien-centric. <laughs> they won't all be. I think there's someone that... Uh, I've got a debate episode coming up, too, about, Ooh. you know... What constitutes power violence? Oh boy! Look <laughs> forward to that one. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh yeah, the Patreon's coming soon. Check out the interview with Laura and uh, a lot of other great episodes coming up. A lot of really fucking amazing, crazy ones coming up. So stick around. <laughs>